Morning, church. Uh, my name is Michael, and today I have the privilege of reading sacred scripture. God's grace uh, invites you to discover the power of his word and his work. God's spirit will awaken our hearts when we humble ourselves, repent from our sin, and trust his grace to give us ground to begin again. Uh, today's scripture reading will be from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. Hear the word of the Lord. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles' brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3000 souls. Please join me in the call of response. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Uh, good morning. I add my greetings to those you've already heard. Uh, I will begin by confessing a moment of uh, stupidity. I was very excited to look at this book and see the translation. Uh, this looks like, is this Arabic or Farsi? This is Farsi? Yeah, I need to obviously work on my uh, language interpretation. Farsi. I thought when you translate Farsi, it looks like Arabic. Um, very similar languages. But I said, I can't wait to see this. And I started looking at it, and I was like, oh, it's backwards, and I can't read anything. Oh, that's right. It's a translation. So I felt really smart. But we are so humbled and honored uh, to participate with you all, Shadi. Thank you for this gift and the privilege to participate. Uh, we've been talking about this series, uh, Witness. We're going to stay in Acts 2. Please keep your Bibles open if you have them. If you don't have them, open them on your phone or some other uh, way. We're going to dig into the Word together. Um, but this idea of participating in God's work has been very, very exciting uh, for a lot of folks, being a witness. And I want to encourage you and hope that today really empowers you. A couple of questions uh, that I got from after last week's sermon. Number one, Mitchell, if God really doesn't need us, in his mission, then why would we do it? And the answer to that is in the king's economy, God has a, a deeper purpose in our hearts and our lives than we can understand. Truly, it is uh, more blessed to give than receive. And to find, discover uh, the gifts that he's given us, to develop and deploy those in the works that he's prepared in advance for us to do, there is something that is deeper life-giving in that than anything else you could possibly experience. It truly is God's highest and best for you. And so that was first. The second one, a main question I got from last week, we're gonna address as we unpack this uh, scripture today. Uh, but it's this question of, of feeling disqualified. It's this question of feeling unprepared. Uh, this disqualification from past sins um, and current struggles or being unprepared and unequipped to really live as God's mission in our schools, in our workplaces, in our families, in relationships, in our neighborhoods and among the city where God's put us. And so the, today's uh, 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 passage really unpacks uh, the reality that we're just a vessel. 
that God's word and God's spirit does all the work. And we have the privilege and opportunity of just making ourselves available. So before we unpack the word of the Lord, will you join me in going to the Lord of the word in prayer and asking for his mercy? Lord Jesus, son of David, would you give us your spirit in a fresh way that you would cut us to our hearts? We do not want to be inspired. We want to be transformed. And that is a work of God from beginning to end. And so to that end, we pray for your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to see three things today. Uh, briefly, as we unpack this passage, we're going to see uh, the witness, we're going to see the work, um, and we are going to see the awakening, the witness, the work, and the awakening. So uh, if, you look at the, if you look at the passage, you'll see really clearly that the, wor- the, work, uh, the witness is, is God's word through Peter's proclamation. Uh, Peter is preaching at Pentecost. He's finishing his sermon. We didn't read the first 35 verses because they're long, um, and we only have a short window of my attention span and yours in this service, but please, it's worth going back and reading all of the first sermon that Peter gives at Pentecost. Uh, Jerusalem was swollen like San Antonio during a fiesta parade, all right? It was full of people that had, been, had pilgrimaged to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, and it was in that place that God had poured his spirit freshly on his people, signifying the the, the uh, new era that had come, that God had prophesied uh, before in Joel, that he had predicted in other prophets, that he had planned before the foundation of the world, God was being faithful to his promises. And Peter, his proclamation was saturated in God's word, sunk deep into the soil of God's uh, scriptures of the Old Testament. And you'll read it and you'll see that uh, in, the, in the sermon, Peter talks about Jesus being a greater prophet, even than Joel, who predicted the Feast of Pentecost, or the, the, uh, the um, falling of the Spirit. That he was a greater king even than David, the greatest king in Israel's history. And he specifically goes to Psalm 110 when, when David says, the Lord says to my Lord, and he's referring uh, to the Son of Man, the Messianic figure who is Christ. And he's a greater priest than any Levite that ever presided over the Feast of Passover. That that Jesus, the Word of God, is the witness of Peter. Now, a lot of us feel unqualified and and unprepared to be a witness for the Lord. In this series, a witness, you, you might think, well, that's just for something else. That's just for Christians who are in countries like Iran. That's not for me in my workplace. That's not for me in my family. That's not for me in my neighborhood. That's not for me in my friendships. That's not for me in my school. That's for other people. When in fact, we, we don't have the freedom to outsource what is an essential call for us in our discipleship. God has called you to be a witness for him. And the substance of our witness is the word of God. Now, I want to give you an illustration for how powerful this could be. I uh, love our ministry partnership with CAM, Christian Assistance Ministry. We started, we helped start this uh, about 41 years ago. They do amazing work. Uh, And if there's any way you can support CAM, volunteering financially, there's tons of ways to do it. Please do. I try to begin every week over at CAM leading a Bible study for our homeless neighbors. I love it. Uh, I usually have one to six to seven people come. It's right before uh, they open their showers. And I'll just put it this way. 
you know it. <laughs> All right, so people come in uh, for Bible study, and you can tell that they're, we're all excited that their showers are going to open. It's a very holistic ministry they have. We're, we're encouraged to partner with them. Monday, uh, I experienced something I've never experienced up there. A lot of people were waiting outside. No one wanted to come in uh, except this one woman. And this woman wanted to talk about the scriptures. I had prepared uh, a chapel lesson, and she had prepared a series of questions. She had been given a Bible by somebody, and she was very, very excited. She told me her story, truly a story of miraculous healing in her life, and her passion to know God more. And she said, this Bible has the Old Testament in it. She said, can you tell me about how I can know Jesus better through the Old Testament. And I, in my mind, I was like, well, I prepared another chapel talk for you know, more people than just one, but okay. <laughs> and so we started talking about Jesus is the greater king. Jesus is the greater priest. Jesus is the greater prophet. And she began to recite scripture. Oh, that helps. She had memorized so much of the New Testament. And listen, this was crazy. As she is telling me, I'm talking about the Old Testament, Jesus being the greater prophet, priest, king, she's reciting New Testament verses that it's reminding her of. People from the outside start coming in. I say, hey, you want to participate? You want to sit down with us? They're like, no. They just wanted to stand and listen. To listen to this woman who'd been changed by our miraculous work of God that was so hungry for God to know the word know Jesus through his word, that there were, by the time we were done, there was eight people just standing there watching and listening. And you know what I saw? I saw the power of a witness that was simply rooted in God's word, explaining who Christ is through the Old Testament. And someone who, by any means in here, you might think, well, that person's not going to be a witness for Christ. That person's disqualified just because of circumstances of life. But contrary to our instincts and our cultural shaping that we see, she's the most qualified, passionate to just talk about who Christ is in line with God's words. You see, we're not disqualified whether we've showered or we haven't showered, whether we have a degree or we don't have a degree. We're not disqualified if we have a home or we don't have a home whether we have a job or we don't have a job, or whether that job is working in a storefront or a CEO office. Those things don't qualify us. What qualifies us to be a witness is that we know God's grace and that we're knowing and loving Jesus and following him, and we want others to know and follow Jesus too. And you look at even Peter's life, the one who's proclaiming this message. And, and many might say, well, Peter himself was disqualified, but the, God's word is Peter's proclamation, but God's work is Peter's strength. This same guy that was preaching is the one that was cowering the night before Jesus was betrayed. You know this story, right? That, that Peter, when Jesus was taken away, that he... Uh, Denied he knew Christ three times, the third time to a servant, teenage girl, and he did it so emphatically that he called down curses, saying things that if I said from here, I'd get in trouble later, I'd definitely get emails about it. But he was saying, I don't know this man. And as he was carried off, Jesus was carried off, Peter was denying him, but, but Jesus 
kept being faithful. And he went to the cross to die for Peter's weak witness. And then he rose from the grave. He atones for the sin of his people. And then in God's amazing grace, he goes to meet Peter in John 21 on the beach. He restores him, and Peter's able to repent. Now, Peter isn't qualified because he was some faithful disciple. The work of God is Peter's strength. The grace of God, it's God's work from beginning to end. And that's good news for a people whose first instinct is to disqualify ourselves from being a witness to the Lord. Friends, God's grace is the ground on which we stand on. It's the strength with which we have to speak his word. It's 100% his from beginning to end, and there's no one who's disqualified. The second thing we see, not only that, and Peter's proclamation, but also we see the work. It's the gospel that grabs the hearts of God's people. Now, I, I need you to uh, understand that what we see in this passage is like a window. And if you look out a window, you know you don't see the whole view, right? You know you see something that you're assuming is consistent with the rest of the terrain that you see. And what we see here uh, in the work of God is consistent throughout all of Acts and all of Scripture. This is what we went into in our deep in Sunday school class where we unpack the uh, Scriptures in ways that we don't have time to do so here. So you can refer to any of the you know, 40 people that were in there with me for that. Just take my word for it. But God's word and God's spirit work together to awaken. Here's what we see. First, we see that God's word does the work. If you see in verse 36, uh, Jesus is proclaimed as both Lord and Christ. Do you see that? Um, he says, the house of Israel, you know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. What he's doing is, is he's helping us see, he's just quoted Psalm 110, and he's helping us see the, the reality that comes up out of the soil of Scripture. And that the, uh, the word of God is, in fact, doing the work. And then he goes on in verse uh, 39. You see that he says the promise of God is for you, your children, and your children's children. It's, it's God's covenant faithfulness. He's referring to God's faithfulness all the way from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. God's a covenant-keeping God. Uh, there's nothing you can do. To have God break his promise, he's going to keep his promise. He's promised keeping because he's lavish loving. He loves you, and if he's for you, nothing can be against you. He's forever faithful in Christ, and he will bring to pass all that he's planned. And God's word is doing the work in Peter's proclamation, but second, we see it's his spirit that uses the word. The spirit of truth uses the word of God. We see it in Ezekiel 37 in words of like Christ. In John 6, 33, uh, I don't think this is on the screen, but Jesus says this, the words I speak are spirit and they are life. It's the spirit of God that uses the word of God to bring life for the people of God. And frankly, it helps us take the, uh, make the longest journey that there is in discipleship. It's from moving from head knowledge to heart knowledge. And you know, we're all, if you know a Christian that thinks they have all the answers, the last thing they are is light. The last thing you see is love. You see someone who, who, who can be a little bit arrogant, a little bit presumptuous, that likes to use the word of God as a weapon and to show that they're better than other people. Right? God's spirit 
moves us from information to transformation. And it's the Spirit of God that we see in this passage that brings conviction. This Peter's proclamation, it says here that they were cut to the heart. When Peter speaks the word, and we're going to get this phrase that cuts them to the heart, they are cut to the heart. And secondly, not only does it bring conviction, but it catalyzes transformation. When Jesus says, I mean, when Peter says, repent and save yourself from this crooked generation, it's the spirit of God that that moves people from rebellion to restore relationship with them. Now let's look at this real quick. I want you to, I want you to see the power of this. Uh, when Peter is preaching, he says, uh, he, they were, in verse 37, it says, they heard this and they were cut to the heart. What did they hear? They heard the word of God that the spirit of God used. This is amazing. And Peter said to them, this Jesus whom you crucified, Now, I want you to understand this. The crowds that were there for Pentecost were the same crowds that had yelled for Jesus to be crucified. Some of the same people. And through God's work, calling Peter to be a witness, which is exactly what he's called. In my my time to be economical in my words, I forgot to point out that the very thing Peter is called is, is a witness at the end of our reading today. He offers forgiveness to people that had yelled for Jesus to be crucified. The unbelievable, ridiculous, unfathomable, and unstoppable grace of God speaks through Peter's proclamation in his word, used by the Spirit to offer forgiveness to the very people that had rejected and wanted to kill Christ. God offers his Spirit intimately in our hearts, to give us new hearts, to restore us for relationship. This is how God, Paul describes God's love in Romans 5. Look at this verse, this quick description real quick. For while we were still weak, in the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God chose his love for this, for us, this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at verse 10 on the screen. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more now are we reconciled? Shall we be saved unto life? It's God's spirit that takes God's word and gives us new hearts and enables us to receive astounding free gifts. First, forgiveness for our sins. And second, the opportunity for him to dwell within. This is Peter being a witness, responding to God's grace and speaking God's word and trusting God's spirit and calling people to repent. You know, the church today longs to be filled with the spirit of God. I hear people pray all the time, Lord, have your spirit fall fresh on us. Revive your church with your spirit. Awaken us. I hear people even pray after Shadi comes, ministry partners, so please awaken us and revive us like, like the church movements we hear around the world. You know what the first step to revival is? The first step to revival is repentance. 
You know, the end of our passage says that 3,000 were added to their number. 3,000. It went through a program. It went through a new sermon series. It went through a, a building campaign or a marketing campaign. 3,000 were added to their number because a witness who had been changed by the grace of God proclaimed the word of God that was used by the spirit of God to cut people to the heart. And they repented. And this gets to our last point, the awakening. When we want to experience an awakening, our first step is not our own work. It's not our own effort. It's not our own desire. It's not our own design. It's not our own resources. It's not our own plans. It's not our own dreams. It's not even our good works. Jesus says, repent. Peter says, repent. That we acknowledge that we have rebelled against God. We acknowledge that we've rejected God. And yes, we repent of those bad things, but we also repent of our good works where we think somehow we've obligated God to bless us. Or we think we're more self-righteous than other people because we're just better Christians. I'm a good Christian. He's a good Christian. Level the playing field. There's no such thing as a good Christian. There isn't. We're enemies of God. No one is righteous. No, not one. We need the grace of God from beginning to end. It's his spirit that brings us in our hearts. Uh, and it's a spirit that brings transformation. What is repentance? I lean on the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question and answer 87. Uh, repentance is a saving grace whereby a sinner with a true sense of sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ does with grief and hatred of sin turn from it back to God with full purpose of God to endeavor to live for the glory of God. Awakening comes when God's people and when God's creatures who are not God's people can repent and be baptized. Now, all of us fall into the trap of, of math. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of math. I like biblical math. Be fruitful and multiply and make disciples. All right. All other math confuses me. I have trouble with numbers. But we look at this. I just want to drill down on this. We look at this and 3,000 were added to their number. In the church, Christians are tempted to be like, yeah, let's go. Let's go take the city. Let's go get everybody. But God's math, this is, this is a single episode in redemptive history that God had planned and foreordained. What is or, it's extraordinary work of God. What is ordinary is more like the end of chapter two where it says God added to their number daily, people making disciples. Maybe you heard of this woman this week. Uh, her name was uh, Peggy Kohler. Did you hear about this? On her 99th birthday, she got to hold her 100th grandchild. Did you hear this? True story. She had 11 kids who had a lot of kids. <laughs> And that's how normal growth happens. It's disciples making disciples. It's, it's people leading people to Christ who have kids and have kids, right? And God does that through an ordinary witness. So don't let the 3,000 number disqualify you. God has given you everything you need. 
his word, his grace. He will give his spirit to show his power. And by his spirit, he will cut us to the heart. And there may be people in here today who have been cut to the heart by God's word, acknowledging there's areas of your life where you need to repent. Acknowledging there's areas of your life where you need to turn from your rebellion, to turn from your self-focus, to turn from this wicked and crooked generation and turn to the Lord. That's the language of Peter. There may be people in here that you might say, I, I don't know if I'm born again. I, I go to church a lot, but I don't know if I really have a living relationship with God where his spirit's inside. But everybody in here, no matter where you are, God wants to use you as his witness, and he has given you everything you need from beginning to end. And so as the band comes up here, um, as we land this plane here, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And I really want to encourage you all, if you need prayer, please come up and receive prayer. Please, if you're feeling a stirring in any way, shape, or form, our prayer team's here to encourage you, to serve you, um, and we need one another, period. Please hear this. No one's disqualified to be a witness. If you're showered or unshowered, in a home or out of a home, in a job or out of a job, wherever you are, if you know Christ and his grace, he wants you to share his word and apply his word to all of life that the power of his spirit might bring transformation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege and opportunity you give us to be a witness. Thank you for your word and your work. Thank you for the power of the gospel where you come meet us where we are, that you change our clothes, you clothe us in your righteousness, you, you change our smell, you give us an aroma of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit. I pray for those in here who don't know your power intimately, would you please meet them freshly? Would you please cut people to the heart that they might repent and come to you? For those of us who do know you, may we continue to be repenting, that we might know you more fully and serve you more faithfully and fruitfully. Lord, no one in here is without sin, but you are grace, you are love, and you have more grace. No matter where we find ourselves, we can come home to the love of our Father. Please work this mighty work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.